0: Welcome to the Everything EC podcast. I am your host, Carla Ward, and today I have a special guest on to talk about something that I'm sure we've all heard buzzing around, especially on social media. And I'm sure a few of us have even said we try it. But I know for myself this is something I could use a lot more practice in as a person and an educator. And that, my friend, is mindfulness. Joining me today is coach, yoga, and mindfulness teacher Rachel Gibbs. She is going to talk to us about mindfulness, why we need to start taking it more seriously and actually practice it, and how to introduce it into our programs. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hi, Carla. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to join us today. Likewise. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey as an ECE, and how you got to becoming a mindfulness coach.
1: So I've been working with children and youth for about 20 years now. I started as a respite worker for children with special needs, and then I tri- uh, transitioned into licensed childcare and working in early learning programs throughout Hamilton and the Niagara region. And then I started as a coach in 2020 during the pandemic, and my journey from there has kind of little, been a little bit of going into the world of coaching, uh, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and sharing that with people of all ages and stages. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love
0: it. So I'm not going to beat around the bush because I think we've got to start with the key definition question of what is mindfulness?
1: So I like to define mindfulness as paying attention in the here and now with kindness, curiosity, and in some situations, making the next right choice. So for kids, I like to describe it as it's kind of being similar to driving a car safely. We're paying attention to what's happening around us. We're staying safe. We aren't speeding our car. We're not crashing into others. And we're not honking our horn like crazy. On the other side of it, we don't want to park our car in the middle of the road, right? That's not safe. So we move along safely. We're aware of what's happening around us. We notice the other cars around us. And we make choices that help keep us safe.
0: I feel very called out right now. (laughs) because based on that definition, I can tell you that I definitely need to be practicing a little bit more mindfulness because my car is definitely on the side of the road half the time, or I'm honking it (laughs) like crazy the rest of the time because I'm losing my bananas. So talk to me more about how we get our car on the road and on track.
1: So we can practice mindfulness in so many different ways. Often we visualize somebody sitting cross-legged with their hands on their knees, and that's mindfulness. But we can practice mindfulness uh, in so many different ways. We can be mindful in our routines. We can pay attention while we're brushing our teeth, washing our hands, brushing our hair. We can practice mindfulness in our movement through yoga, mindful dancing, walking, going for hikes. Um, you can practice mindfulness in your breathing and in specific practices. There's also meditation and visualization. And I, one of my favorite ways of practicing mindfulness is through creative expression. So through art or writing, journaling.
0: So we say, you know, practice mindfulness while you're brushing your teeth. Help this type A personality out a little bit. <laughs> what should be going through my head while I'm brushing my teeth or meditating? Or, you know, trying to be mindful, what am I trying
1: to do? It's really slowing down. So so especially with something like brushing our teeth and those everyday routines, you know, we're caught up, we're brushing our teeth and we're thinking about the drive into work. We're thinking about what do I have to do today? We're worrying about what happened yesterday. Uh, You might even be playing, you know, a conflict that you had with a a spouse or something in your head. And so when we're being mindful, brushing our teeth, we might slow down, paying attention, you know, taking that toothbrush, paying attention to the tube. We might, you know, take our time putting it on the toothbrush and paying attention to the water as it goes on. You know, we might notice the quality. Oh, the, the water's going fast. It's hot. It's cold. Then we start you know, brushing our teeth, paying attention to how it feels. We take our time and it's really only about a, you know, a couple minute process, but really taking the time to slow down and paying attention to what we're doing.
0: I find this so interesting because a part of me is like, oh, that sounds lovely. This sounds <laughs> like very much being present. And another part of me is thinking. How am I supposed to get anything done if I'm paying attention to how I'm brushing <laughs> my teeth? Like right. this, like this is not efficient use of my time. And I know it's important. I know mindfulness is important. The social media that I watch is shoving it down my throat that I'm supposed to be doing it. right. So, but tell me why
1: should why? I care? So normally, we're kind of operating in a sympathetic response. So our nervous systems are, busy, they're active, they're you're aware of your surroundings, and we're ready to kind of respond to anything that might come at us, right? And so when we take the time to slow down, our body's able to shift into a dif- a different mode called the parasympathetic response. And it helps our bodies to shift into a more restful state. Uh, they call it the rest and digest state. Mm -hmm. And so it's great for us, but it's also great for kids to have that time to shift into the, the parasympathetic response.
0: Well, and of course, I'm like, of course it's good for kids, right? (laughs) It's like, absolutely. How many times do we tell them to slow down and we try to teach them to be present? And I certainly do think it does start with us because I mean, the way you just described it, I'm thinking, "Hmm, okay, so That is something I definitely need to add or be more conscious of in my daily practice. Stop eating at the desk, you know, sit and actually savor my meal a little bit. But also it falls into the children, right? It falls into working with kids. And let's say, you know, I'm all on board. I am now a very mindful person. How do I transfer that skill as an educator into the education piece?
1: Right. Well, I think... Um, It's important to understand why we would want to bring it into our early childhood programs, including mindfulness into our programs can help nurture uh, children's health and their own well-being. And we're providing them with some early positive habits for their mind and their body. And a, a big piece of including mindfulness with early childhood is giving them that inner awareness that we all need. Um, And it's also including, or it's also building their character. So it gives them the skills like resilience, compassion, self-compassion, kindness towards others. And it also helps them with that cognitive flexibility to navigate situations in conflict or when they're feeling overwhelmed. And it helps them to be connected to their mind, body and their own emotions. So I think But those are, and I could go on all day about the benefits of mindfulness for kids, but I think we all want our kids to be a little bit more regulated, a little bit more alert and calm. And of course we want them to feel happy.
0: Absolutely. I mean, nobody likes to go through their day dysregulated. It's not a good feeling because you, you have no control over yourself, over your emotions or how things turn out. Right. So that we're more Mm -hmm. reactive than responsive.
1: Exactly.
0: I mean, giving Children, those tools make for lovely classroom environments and also successful children.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So where do we start? It's no surprise that the first and foremost thing, if you want to create a mindful classroom, is creating a safe and trusting space. So we want children to learn. We want them to grow, be free to explore, and also have the ability to make mistakes. So if they feel like they're on edge or if they're nervous, their bodies are constantly vigilant. So they're constantly scanning their environment for danger. And we want them to be able to shift into that more regulated space in their nervous nervous systems. So this, of course, comes down to the relationships we build with with children, our view of children, and the way that we respond to children's emotions and their dysregulated behaviors. So some ways that we can create safety in our environments include reflecting children and families in our programs, including photos, including pictures of their families, and creating a visually calm and inviting space. And of course, using positive language around emotions. So we wanna create an environment of safety and trust where children feel safe and comfortable coming to you. If they're feeling upset or sad or angry, we want them to feel safe coming to you with those emotions rather than being told to tuck them away or, you know, just stop point blank. We want to create that that relationship with young children that allows for all emotions and all feelings and responding in ways that are supportive and empowering. And then the other side of that is creating an environment of predictability and choice. So we want to encourage children to be able to self-regulate, Throughout the day. And that includes using visual schedules, social stories, and allowing children to make choices throughout their day. Oh, yes. I love the
0: choices. (laughs) Yes. So important, right? So much. I was actually talking to somebody the other day about conversations with children and how that really builds that relationship and that sense of safety. And one of my favorite lines to use is tell me more. Exactly, Because how often is a child given the platform to be told more? Like there's that really funny reel going on about like the kids babbling like my child when they're trying to tell me a story about their day at school, like like, the kids going on and on and on. And we've all been there where we're like, oh, my gosh, we've got to move on here. (laughs) So when a child is asked, like, tell me more, it's so exciting. And sometimes my students will be like, no, that's it because they won't know what to do with it. But then other times you learn so much about them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And there's so many ways that we can create that space for kids, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. All right, what
1: else you got? What's next? So I think if for an educator who's looking to bring mindfulness into their programs, I would say start bringing it into the routines and the things that you're already doing. So if you're still doing a circle time or a morning meeting with your kids. You know, giving the opportunity to do a check-in. How are you feeling today? Thumbs up if you're feeling great. Thumbs in the middle if you're feeling so-so. Thumbs down if you're not feeling so great. That's okay. You can teach a different breathing practice. There's lots online, or you're welcome to join me and learn some different ways of breathing. You know, we can have lots of fun with our, our breathing practices. Outdoors, you know, taking a moment. What do you see? What do you hear? What can you touch? What can you smell? providing the opportunities for sit spots or mindful walking with your kids outside during snacks and meals, you know, setting the stage for mindful eating. One center I worked at, we dimmed the lights, we put on uh, what we call dinner music, which was instrumental music and really having those nice calm conversations. You know, how does like, how are you enjoying your meal? How does it taste? How does it feel? And again, paying attention to what's happening in the moment and then for nap like nap times and rest periods, one of my favorite things to do is playing a visualization or reading a story out loud to them about emotion awareness or uh, guiding them through a visualization. They have lots of fun with that. And then sensory play and creative play is honestly it's all about mindfulness. We're noticing all of the those uh, senses, right? So encouraging children to notice the textures. The feelings, the sensations, and then during transitions, you know, lead some fun yoga poses while you're waiting. Or, you know, if if there's a moment in the day where it, you know things aren't going quite as as planned, you know, hop into a couple of yoga poses together, or doing a little bit of like Simon Says, but with a breathing practice or something like that. So, bringing it into those uh, everyday routines uh, is just mm-hmm. a great way of uh, bringing mindfulness.
0: Oh, I absolutely love that because transition is something that I find is so often not neglected, but it's one of those things that everybody thinks it's the transition from one activity to another. And people forget so often that it's an activity itself. Absolutely. Right. It's an opportunity to bond. It's an opportunity to have a conversation. It's an opportunity to practice by motor skills, bathroom skills, hand skills, sensory skills, (laughs) right? How does it feel when you're washing your hands under the water? Having a conversation about collaboration, right? Like somebody's helping another friend do up a zipper. So I love the idea of adding in yoga poses because I mean, have a child stand like a tree, and who can hold the longest? I mean, not that we want to compete, but how long can
1: you hold your tree pose for? Absolutely, exactly. And that's great. You know, it it kind of leads to the next point, right? So making mindfulness fun and enjoyable, right? So you know, we we often, like I said, in, envision mindfulness as being, you know, sitting cross-legged, breathing, it's very calm, you know, everybody's very serious, but we can make it so much fun. And especially as educators, we know the importance of play-based programming. Mindfulness is no exception. So, you know, incorporating yoga stories that encourage imagination and playfulness, um, yoga games are a great way of having fun. Encouraging that peer connection. You can bring music into it, storytelling, um, writing, uh, some really awesome affirmations, you know, make it really fun for kids.
0: Yes, 100,000%. <laughs> yes, because Absolutely. if you don't make it fun, the children are going to find their own way to make it fun.
1: <laughs> and it might not be very mindful. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> And then, you know, what's going to happen. You, we're going to become dysregulated as we're.
0: <laughs> and exactly. And then we've got to. It's just going to become this cycle. So if it's all mm-hmm. part of your journey as a whole class together, I mean, really amazing things. I'm sure can happen. Absolutely. Well, Rachel, love this. I know that you have a program because I have taken some of your others and I've had a little snoop. So why don't you tell us about your most recent program and how people can connect with you to learn from you?
1: Awesome. So I have an online module coming out uh, later on in October, and it's mindfulness for kids, all about ways that educators, parents, and people who work with kids can incorporate a little bit more mindfulness into their uh, interactions with kids. And I'm going to include some of my favorite breathing practices, my favorite affirmations, some yoga poses. Um, it's going to be completely full of uh, all of my tips and tricks. So
0: love it. And you may see me there because we all know <laughs> everybody now knows I need help with mindfulness.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. <Exposed.
0: laughs> yeah, I know. Feel so called out, but that's okay. That's how we grow.
1: But how can people connect with you on social media? Uh, So you can find me on Instagram, uh, rachelgibbs.me, and you can spell my name, R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-I-B-B-S dot M-E, or at rachelgibbs.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today,
0: and I will let you know how my mindfulness goes. Thank you so much for having me.